You're listening to Healthcare Now Radio. Stand by for this just in the latest in healthcare innovation and technology trends with your HIT advisor, Justin Barnes. Thank you for joining me today on This Just In Radio. I had an amazing time this year at the HIMSS Annual Conference as we aired This Just In Radio live from the show floor, our fourth year in a row, and thankfully, they always get better. Thank you very much to all of my amazing guests that came by to share their time and thought leadership. Many thanks to the show sponsor, Lenovo Health, and certainly many thanks to Roberta Mowens and the Healthcare Now Radio team for producing this show. We've compiled all of the guest interviews to share with you in this broadcast, but look for many more in the coming weeks. You'll also find these interviews on our archive channels. Just check in at thisjustinradio.com. We hope you enjoy these HIMSS 18 recordings as they are all in their true environment with 40,000 healthcare and health IT leaders all around us. As this year, we placed our studio right in the middle of all the action. And you'll be able to hear the energy and hopefully feel it as well. Enjoy. LaDonna Orell, Senior IT Director, Duke University Health System. Thank you very much for joining me today. And then also, um, thank you for joining us in the Think Tank this morning. I hope you got a little bit out of it. You enjoyed your time there? I did. Okay, excellent. So, perfect, okay. So, this is mainly a lot of actual intelligence. Um, so, looking out over uh, healthcare, and from your perspective at Duke, what do you see as the trends out there in healthcare or health IT? It's more about patient engagement with our providers working two-way with our patients for them to have a say-so in yep. their care and really being able to connect with that provider outside of the office and um, be able to understand what's their prognosis, diagnosis, keep them well. We talk a lot about population health. Um, this is really driving that. How are you addressing that from a, from a technology process strategy standpoint at Duke? So we are providing patient portals um, with, and we educate our patients as they come in. The providers are educating them to use the portal to be able to go out, look at their wellness, look at their lab results, look at their upcoming appointments, meds list. Uh, also, that's the vehicle for our providers to be able to talk back and forth with the patient. But as far as from a technology standpoint, we're having to make sure it's secure, yeah. making sure that they're comfortable with being able to have that two-way conversation. So on the technology front, um, what are some of your top-tier focuses for 2018? Because obviously, you talk about the portal, um, but is there any other innovations that you guys see, you know, that you're going to focus on in 2018 that's under your purview? Where they working? Yes, mobility. Mobility is huge, both from um, a patient coming in, yeah. as well as a provider, our nurses, uh, the bottomless, you name it. Excellent. So, on the best practice side, this you know, think tank, my radio show, we focus heavily. So, what's the best? What best practices? You know, maybe two or three that you would share with my audience and how to begin to have you know consumer strategy or, or a stronger consumer strategy, uh, patient engagement. What, what can they do on the patient engagement side or even mobility? What best practices? At one more level, would you say uh, you'd recommend? Probably making sure that we're secure. So from a technology standpoint, not physical security, but cybersecurity, and really separating the patient care piece yep. from all the busy noise with social media, email, those are things that we really need to separate from a clinical environment. 
Excellent. No, I, I completely agree. So what do you hope to achieve here at HIMSS? What are your main goals for the HIMSS conference? Bringing things back so that we can advance to the next state-of-the-art features with devices and technology and really listening to the peer groups that I have met here. Um, a lot of collaboration going on. Excellent. And um, anything uh, for tomorrow on your schedule that you're going to look forward to? Remember, you know, any, any keynotes or anything tomorrow? Yes, keynotes and then the gala at the end of the evening. Oh, good point. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you very much, LaDonna. Thank you very much for joining me in Duke Health. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. And also, thank you again this morning for Duke Tank there. But uh, very excited about my next guest, Dr. Rasu Shretha from UPMC. You've been a great collaborator of mine for years now in the radio show, so you're a great friend of the show. Thank you very much for that. And then uh, thank you very much also for joining us in the Think Tank. You've been there. Everything Think we've had today was the best one yet. And, uh, and just so, so thank you for that, first of all. Absolutely. Thank you, Justin, for uh, championing the cause and pushing us ahead. I, I agree with you. The Think Tank discussions that we've had thus far is absolutely remarkable. And what's interesting is just the, the melting pot that the Think Tank is of different organizations, individuals, of, of uh, thought leadership, really all coming together to solve some of the most challenging pain points that we have in healthcare today. So really appreciate that. Yep. No, thank you very much. You're, you're fantastic. And UBMSC has been great. And it's in our connected medicine as well and our efforts there. So diving in a little bit, uh, and we touched on this this morning, but what do you see as some of the, the great innovations out there or the, the ones that you're, you're engaging on the healthcare or health IT side? Lots of innovations out there, uh, and that's good because I think there needs to be a lot of change. Innovation oftentimes is equated with change, change that hits you, yep. uh, whether you're in control or not, or change that you create purposefully to create a new front, so that you can drive newer care models forward, for example, right? drive towards newer methodologies, newer workflows, newer business revenue models. So there's a lot of innovation that's happening out there. Um, we have our hands in a lot of different areas. Yep. We're also trying to stay a lot of stay focused in specific areas at UPMC Enterprises. We think focus is really important, capitalizing on the peer provider arms of UPMC, the living lab that's UPMC, yes, making sure that we're able to not just go after these specific hot topics, so to speak, but really add a lot of substance and value and data and insights behind these as well. One specific area that's really bubbling to the top to answer your question more um, more accurately is really around AI. Yes, yeah, I see a lot of activities around AI. Uh, Justin, you, you've been doing this for a while, so you know that there's a lot of buzz around AI, a lot of hype around AI, right? AI is going to solve the world hunger and cure cancer and put a radiologist out of a job, right? So as a radiologist's background, I, I, you know, I take offense at that, right? I'm like, no, you won't. <laughs> in fact, AI, if done right, will augment the care process. And that, in a nutshell, how we feel about it. But yeah, back to your question. A lot of activities around AI, a lot of things that we're actually doing to sort of push the envelope forward there. And um, we believe it has to be a lot more purposeful in the pursuit of finding the right solutions that are actually meaningful so we can differentiate ourselves from the hype that exists out there. So how are you guys addressing, so specifically, um, we'll talk about best practices next, but what, what are, how are some of the ways that you're addressing UPMC and, and your personal strategy, um, implementing AI and those components, so those trends? What AI is, is really an enabler. Right, think about AI really as a catalyst. You've got your ingredients, the zeros and ones in the data that you've now amassed over the last you know, 10, 20, 30 years that perhaps you've been doing this. We have a lot of data. So at UPMC, we have, what, 30 petabytes worth of data that's doubling every 18 months. 
That's a lot of zeros and ones, and that's not even counting the imaging data that we have. There's so much insights behind the pixel-based data, the DICOM, non-DICOM content that exists at the back end. So what we're doing with AI really is to try to say, all right, how do we elevate the data to a layer that allows for the stories behind the data to be told? Whether it's the stories around the patients or the populations of patients that, that, that the data really belongs to, how do we tell those stories? And how do we augment those stories to really bring out the specifics of how clinicians and patients and consumers can be aided in the pursuit of excellence in healthcare. To condense it down into one specific example, one of the things that we're working on actively is uh, with Microsoft, our partner, in really trying to address, and it's something that I feel really close to, it's very personal to me, which is around physician burnout or clinician burnout more generally. There is a lot of burnout that happens today. And AI, if used right, could be the layer that sits between the tech stack and the human stack. Think about it, right? There's nothing more human than the pursuit of excellence in healthcare. Yet, we have technology really as an impediment to care. It's true. Clinicians, we're finding shortcuts all the time. We're like not writing passwords under our keyboards. <laughs> right. Right? And so... AI is done right, and what we're doing right now is to have this AI-driven sort of a scribe methodology with chatbots that basically, with the patient's permission, listening in on the conversation that I'm having yeah, as a physician with you as a patient, and, and, and I, don't, I don't have my back face to you, like 40 to 40 percent, 44% of the time today, that's the reality, I have my back face to you because I'm driving up to my ear mark. And what it does is it synthesizes the conversation into essentially a document that is useful, but also is a remarkable starting point. So 80, 90% of the document is already complete by the time the encounter is over. And I'm able to focus on the patient. I'm able to empathize with the patient. I'm able to really talk to the patient about what's most important to him or her as opposed to entering notes of the environment. And there's so much more yet that's going on, but that really is the beginning of how we're trying to really approach a purpose-driven uh, pursuit of AI. Thanks, Linda. You also brought up a great uh, best practice this morning, the think tank, that you guys are seeing all patients through a value-based care lens. Not, you know, we, we're still in a people-service model heavily, uh, but you guys are beginning to address people, everybody through that lens. I think that's very wise. I think it's very wise for everybody to start thinking like that. They're not probably not, not doing it, but the way that you see it, the way you're implementing it, uh, and you've been staying on the front tip there. You're also a payer, but still, uh, this is very good for no matter where you are to begin seeing healthcare and care even reimbursement through that type of structure. So you're ready for it when that tsunami hits. Absolutely. I think it's really critical for you to take your head out of the sandbox, yes. so to speak, right? Because whether or not you're in the reality of value-based payment models and paradigms today, it's coming at you. So you better be ready for it because it's going to come at you, right? So you don't have to be an IDN or an IDF as an integrated delivery financial system like us. You're working with payers all day long. The new paradigm is for providers to work more cohesively with these payers in a way that you're able to manage risk and mitigate risk and push for what's most important, not just for that patient, but really for that person that's at the other end. So it's coming at you. Might as well go about and embrace it right now. Very true. So what a couple of words of wisdom in our, in our closing minutes here. What would you say um, a couple of uh, best practices that you would share from your perspective being as successful as you have been uh, personally and also professionally with UTMC, uh, but for other organizations, that's not what we want to get the think tank. 
not everybody has the, the, the UPMC infrastructure, um, but everybody can begin making these initial steps. What would you say about one or two of those things? So, so regardless of what size of an organization you belong to, you could, you could be a one-person startup, right? Right. Um, there's some specific cultural ethos, yes. some imperatives that I think are really, really important. We'll try to distill these down at UPMC and at UPMC Enterprises and we'll talk about it at the Center for Connected Medicine and really push these ethos forward. First and foremost, really, is a mindset change, right? And it boils down to culture, right? Really thinking about the culture of how we've known healthcare to be thus far versus how it really needs to be. Right. And what's the mind shift that needs to happen for us to allow for that transformation to really flourish, right? So we're trying to nail it on the head by moving to the next best practice, which is really embracing the culture or the ethos of design thinking, right? It's really important for us in healthcare. Healthcare, for the longest time, has been very stagnant, right? And I think it's important for us to take a for lack of a better phrase, a Silicon Valley-esque approach yeah. to reinventing the future of healthcare. Right? Design thinking begs for us to lead by empathy first. It's not something we've done in the past, to be quite honest. Yeah. Right? It's been, how do we make that release work? <laughs> you know, what does the next patch and upgrade look like? Lead by empathy first. Sit down with your end users, engage them, iterate with them, make sure that they're part of that journey. The third and, and last, really, I'll leave you with this is Make sure that you're able to take a very agile development sort of a methodology to how you create products and solutions and technologies. So even if you're not writing scripts or if you're not creating software and you're looking at workflow and you're saying, all right, how do I take it from where it, where it is to where it needs to be? Be nimble about it. Be agile about it, right? Don't take a titanic approach to things. Take a speedboat approach, right? How you actually look at these people. That's fantastic. So thank you very much. Do you have your pink socks on? I sure do. <laughs> you bet. I know. I think my next guest, Anish, is Anish Chopra here? Anish is uh, my next guest. So we'll, uh, I know we're going to, he's all excited to see you. I try to book you guys, bookend you both um, together, but while we're waiting for, um, for Anish, actually, yeah, we're still about a minute now, we're actually right on time for Anish. Um, we are um, hidden over here a little bit, but um. Tell us uh, what else you're looking forward to the next day or so here in closing days of campus. Well, uh, you mentioned Anish, so there's a lot of things happening with Anish. There's yes. actually a, 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 an open roundtable that we have uh, with Anish and a number of other CIOs that we're working together in and really trying to talk about what's next for us in, in healthcare, specifically in the realm of interoperability, specifically in the realm of um, APIs and opening up the data sets, the tech stacks that we have at the back end and, and pushing for uh, things like HL7 Fire, Smart on Fire, yeah, uh, Bulk Fire, we've heard a little bit this morning about yeah. uh, Flat Fire as well. Yes. How do we make sure that we're able to unearth the, the assets that are locked away in these silos and repositories that we've essentially been implementing for the last however long, right? We've, we've made those purchases, like signing yes. checks, yes. but someone forgot to give us the key. <laughs> We have the chest, right? But where's the dark key? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we'll be having a lot of discussions around that. Um, a lot of other things uh, that uh, we're continuing to push ahead. What with. are some of the solutions there, though? I mean, is, is it about you know, is it flat fire, or what are some of the, uh, the standards or strategies that you can get that data out and enable that data? So look, um, I don't want fire. That's just FHAR hashtag fire, by the way. Yes. To, to be a buzzword, another buzzword right. in the industry, because we have enough of those. Yes, we did, right? right. Okay. Um, so I, I think what's really important is while vendors are now starting to stand up and embrace fire as 
um, something that they need, they need to be uh, embracing in, in the way that they're making their architectures available um, to their customers and to developers and, and other uh, collaborators across the board. The, the reality is that it's a very trickle-down approach right now. There's very few fire resources that are actually being made available quite realistically. I mean, everyone's putting their hands up and saying, yeah, we do fire, right? right? So how do we make sure that we open it up? How do we make sure that we're able to really um, have scale and impact in ways that we've not been able to in the past, right? Because the challenge of interoperability has really been around standards mm -hmm. or the lack thereof, uh, or that you've got too many standards that really don't talk to each other, right? Right. Very true. And and so what what we're, what the fire community is trying to do is to say, all right, how do we make sure that we have more of a defined set of methodologies that allows for you to really latch onto those data elements, regardless of which silo this data actually resides in, and you're able to then create a rich ecosystem of applications and workflows and solutions on top of the tech stack that you're using. That's excellent. So we have one time for one more question, um, and hopefully Anish will be here in a second. But um, what are you speaking on? So what are some of the topics that you're covering here at MZ Team? Um, so I've been fortunate to be quite involved with Hims this year. Yeah. Uh, I'm the chair of the Hims Innovation Committee. We had a remarkable innovation symposium on Monday. Um, Anish actually, um, I, I called Anish and uh, he was the opening keynote. We had Indus um, Abai as the closing keynote. It was remarkable. Right in the lunch keynote was my old professor from MBA school, oh Dave Logan. I invited Dave yeah. Logan over to talk about tribal leadership because what we were really trying to get into the ethos of was the culture of innovation. How do we really nail it? How do we really unearth the magic that can happen when tribes come together right? and you're able to address the conflicts but also really augment the specifics of the magic that they bring to the table? So. A lot of discussions around the culture of innovation. I just came from a session that I think was really well attended uh, just uh, just a little while ago that talked about customer experience and how patients increasingly are consumers of care and how we need to bring in the ethos of design thinking, principles of design thinking, to delight customers. And many people came to me right after, and my, uh, my collaborator, Santosh Mohan, who, uh, and, and they said, look, this is the best session that they've enjoyed at Hems this year, which you know, flattered us. But I think that discussion there around how do we not just do the things that we're doing for the sake of doing it, right? but how do we really take this to another level? How do we create experiences that change behavior? How do we create experiences that delight our customers at the other end? That's the mindset change that we really need in place. That's fantastic. Pursue, thank you very much for joining me on stage, and thank you very much for the Think Tank collaboration as well, my friend. Absolutely. Jackson, thanks, Thank you. Take care. Boy, thank you very much, my friend. Um, I had the pleasure of sitting next to you on the flight out here, and we knew each other uh, about five years ago, four years ago we first met, um, but it was great to make your acquaintance again, and glad you could join the show for a few minutes. Very glad to be here. Thanks so, for having me. Thank you. Boyd Douglas, Chief Executive Officer of CPSI. Um, and just a great collaborator. CPSI, your whole team, has always been great collaborators in the industry, no matter if we're trying to tackle interoperability, um, usability, clinical reporting, whatever it is. Uh, Rick Reeves is one of the very first people to join the EHR Association back in 2004, 2005 when we founded it. Uh, and just your whole team, uh, just great collaborators out there. So thank you. Great. Thank you. Great leadership, my friend. So what are you seeing, um, I guess, for healthcare and health IT trends in the industry uh, that we talk about? You know, as you know, we service the needs of uh, community, small, rural, and community hospitals. Well, really, it's not just the hospital. It happens to be the hospital 
is kind of the center of the healthcare universe and the communities we serve. Yeah. But uh, you know, we serve over a thousand communities across the U.S. And I so, think the biggest trend is is the value-based care that's coming to population health. It's coming, and frankly, our hospitals, most of them are starved for resources, yeah. uh, all kinds, financial, human resources. And so we try to be the partner, the best partner we can and help them deliver the best care they can to their patients in the most efficient manner. And so, you know, we, we really, in the last couple of years, tried to concentrate a, more outside the walls of just having an EMR system. Yep. And it's, just, it's about the services that we can provide, not only the software we can provide, but the services as well. Uh, we started an ACO. Uh, this year. Oh, wow. And uh, we've got in Mobile or where? where well, across the, across the country. Okay. We did that in conjunction with Caravan Health. Okay. Uh, they're our partner in that. Okay. They've had a lot of experience and a lot of success uh, administering ACOs in rural communities. And so they, That's great. We, we collaborated with them uh, because a lot of hospitals, frankly, wanted to participate uh, in the value-based care. And that's a good way to kind of put your toe in the water with that. We didn't necessarily have the expertise of how to do all of that. We certainly have the tools that can help them. But then that's why Partner Caravan came in and they've been successful before. So we've got 30 hospitals, uh, I believe, and that are part of four ACOs. And uh, so, you know, we're, we're early in that. And uh, as you know, that started in January. So we're early in that. But that, I, I just say that as an example of, it's a great example. of who we're trying to be as, as a company. We're more than just a healthcare IT company. We're, we're a community healthcare company helping, helping our community. That's excellent. I did not know about that, but that's that's fabulous. So, how do you um, if it, is it mainly for your customers that can do that, or is it anybody can join this type of an ACO? You this it's, model different? Right. No, it's it's for anybody. It's the CPSI ACO powered by Caravan Health, but it's certainly open to hospitals. And, and of those thirty, I don't know the exact right. breakdown, but we we have hospitals, uh, you know, that are our EMR customers yeah. or our TrueBridge customers that are part of the SCO. But we also have hospitals that we now have a new relationship with because of the SCO. That's fantastic. That's that's excellent. I like to hear that. We have a whole lot of that going on in the industry. We need that more. That's excellent. Right. Thank you. You got it. So. Um, what are some of the best practices? That's actually one of them. I would certainly mention. But what are you know? What are two or three best practices that you tell your customers um, as you want to you know ensure they thrive in the future of healthcare? Where do you try to let them know or tell them to encourage them or, or guide them? If need them? Right. Certainly, just you know, look into the future. As you know, especially being in the two industries that we're in, healthcare and technology, they're both changing very rapidly. Yeah. And again, back to the lack of resources that most of our customers, they just don't have that. You know, there's a lot of people in the hospital that wear lots of different hats. And we just like to be there in the system any way we can. And, and I think we've proven that through the, through the ACO, um, the services that we offer through TrueBridge. You know, TrueBridge is the fastest growing part of the company. We're real excited about that. And we think that's got the most runway. Um, both within our EMR base, uh, the, the thousand or so hospitals that run our EMR systems, yep. but outside of that, we've got about 300 hospitals where we provide services for, but we're not the EMR vendor for. And, uh, and, and we really try to cater to the needs of that particular community. And it sounds cliche, but we really try to partner with these hospitals and do what we can to help them because we do have a lot more resources than they do. Right. And, and uh, just through the economies of scale, we can provide a lot of software services and support more efficiently than they can do that on their own. So tell, I don't actually, I'm not real familiar with TrueBridge. Can you tell us a couple minutes on TrueBridge? Sure, TrueBridge, uh, we started in 2000. And frankly, the reason we started it was 
up till that point, we had grown as a company. The growth was fueled by sales of new systems, new software, new systems. And we we knew that one day the market would be saturated. Of course, we had no idea of me and producers would come along yeah. and have to saturate it in three or four years. But, you know, it, we, we talked about that we go in different industries, go to different size hospitals. And frankly, we, we had that. We felt like we had the relationships in the community market. And there was a need there of those hospitals for the services that we provide. So we started by providing a statement processing, so build, uh, printing and mailing statements for hospitals. That turned into a clearinghouse operation where we, we did Medicare, Medicaid, Blue Cross billing. And, and now there's about 80 hospitals of our 1,000 EMR customers where we service, we, we do the entire business office solutions for those hospitals. There's another 160 or so that we do private pay or early out collections for those hospitals. So, and, and the reason I give you those numbers, we feel like we've got a lot of runway left. Sure, Uber yeah. is just growing in the mid-teens right now. And uh, we really see ourselves uh, growing there, growing that part of the business. I mean, the EMR part of the business is great. Yep. But as you know, most hospitals now have an EMR. Right. Certainly, I think there's always a natural churn to that market. We feel like we've got the, the right fit for these hospitals that are 100 beds and less on the EMR side, but on the you know, the trooper inside, we really can tailor those services to whatever they need. Again, whether it's the full services or just private pay, we actually have a coding service that's in about 80 hospitals now, so we actually do the coding uh, for these hospitals, because as you can imagine, again, in these rural communities, coders are, are hard to find, yep. and so uh, that's one thing that we can bring to the very cool. So last question. What do you uh, like most about Hamm's annual conference? Well, you've been coming. How long have you been coming? I've been here 17 years. You're uh, longer than that. Probably longer than that. I don't know when it started. Right? Probably cool. whenever it started. You've been the CEO of CPSI for how long? Uh, since 2004. Yeah. Wow. So, but I've been at CPSI that's since a long 19, 10 years. In our industry. Yeah, so, that's so amazing. Been there quite a while. Long 10 years. Um, yeah, what do you like most about him? So, I just enjoy seeing what all is going on, seeing what other people are doing, and, and really interacting with, with the customers that are here and hearing their wants and needs and, and seeing ways that we can fulfill their and help them out to, to run their hospital most efficiently. Excellent. I heard you. T sent me a text. You saw T? Uh, I have not seen two. Oh, We've been texting. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've not seen two. So, awesome. yeah, good friend. Thanks a lot of great work. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, thank you, Boyd. Thank you very much for joining me on air. I appreciate it. I know you have a busy conference, so we'll let you go. But uh, thank you again, my friend. Certainly. Thank you All for right. having me on. Appreciate yeah. it. Boyd Douglas, CEO. Yes, hi. Thank you. You got it, my friend. Thank you. Thank you again for joining me for this aired recording from Hymns 18 live in Las Vegas. And please tune in weekdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific to always hear our latest shows. As always, you can track me on Twitter at HIT Advisor and use the hashtag ThisJustInRadio so we can respond to your comments from the show. If you miss any of this episode or want to hear more, all of my radio shows are posted at ThisJustInRadio.com as well as on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Google Play, and TuneIn. Also, check out the new website we've launched at justinbarnes.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a terrific week.